Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Hey, it's your host, Krista Bigler, and this is part two this week of listener questions. So what happened was that I had, we did a call for questions and people submitted them and there was supposed to be a bit of a live Q&A today, but we had some technology mishmash happening in the, in the back end because we're just humans and it's always good to remember that we're just humans. So no one got the email to come to the live Q&A, but if you wanted to come to a live Q&A, a free Q&A, I would like to attempt to do them monthly. The next one is scheduled. The next and only one that's actually scheduled is for October 5th at 12.30 Mountain Time, 2.30 Eastern Time. It's just a half hour. You register, you submit questions, you can submit your case review, and basically the best ones get the priority, essentially, like if it's easy to easiest to follow. So if you heard in my earlier episode that went out with Jordan, she gave a really thorough case review history, and it was easy for me to kind of go through, pick apart what worked, what didn't work, and hopefully be really helpful to her. So today, I'm going to go through the remaining questions that came in from that Q&A, and let me get started. So Mary Kay wanted to know about blood tests for inflammation levels. Now, that is something that we're working on behind the scenes. It's a little tricky. There are some blood markers for inflammation levels, largely CRP, uh, C-reactive protein. That's an acute phase liver protein in the liver. Uh, The general reference range is under one milligram per deciliter. And if that's elevated, it can show signs of inflammation in general. Some other ones that might be kind of common is an ANA. That is a marker that may kind of steer you in the direction of more testing for autoimmune issues. Um, But there's a lot of things that may may look like inflammation as well. So anything that's got to do um, with cytokine status. So there's a new marker on our GI map test called eosinophil activation protein. And if you have, in general, in the blood work, if you have elevated eosinophils, you may be reacting more to histamine. Now, that's not exactly the root cause, but reducing the overall histamine burden can reduce inflammation in the short term. In the gut, speaking of the gut, uh, 
the main like common inflammatory marker is calprotectin. I think the thing that is showing up here though, is we're looking for some kind of evidence that something is wrong, but you know that something's wrong because Mary Kay says my gut hasn't been the same since I, she says I was a cancer, I'm a cancer survivor. Congratulations. It's freaking amazing. Um, so she's had radiation and chemo and surgery and the gut hasn't been the same since meaning, you know, she can't digest fiber. Um, too little results in, in, in constipation. She has some trigger finger, which she feels like is inflammation. Her stomach is upset. She digests cooks veggies better. You know, there's all, there's a bit there, but there is definitely tissue challenges and harm post-cancer, right? So actually I do want to direct Mary Kay to a recent episode I did with my friend Dion, who talks about cancer nutrition and she kind of specializes in you know, diagnosis during treatment and then afterwards, how do you heal and and um, heal overall? And there's just a lot of things that help support tissue healing, et cetera. So if you already know there's a problem, maybe you don't need some blood work that tells you, you know, you've got just static inflammation because like generalized inflammation is fine to know about. You can feel like you have inflammation. You can feel like you have inflammation from from swinging five-ish pounds every weekend. Like that's a lot of water, inflammatory water weight. That looks like inflammation to me. So if you just feel kind of puffy, et cetera, if you have pain in certain areas, the key is to get to the root causes. And I know the lab feels like the root cause, but I would look at, for me personally, I look at what's going on in the gut, what overgrowths are there, what toxic burden is there, right? What deficiencies are there that prevent us from healing and what other stressors are there? I'm looking at what the stressors are that are not allowing the body to operate properly. Um, That's kind of how I would look at this overall. So I hope that helps Mary Kay. Sounds like there's a bit of work that could be done in the gut. And if you haven't done anything kind of on your own with the gut, healing, soothing nutrients, slippery elm, marshmallow root, um, you can always trial uh, different probiotics. It really varies. You know, I don't want to be too general, but it's a kind of big general question. She also asked about coffee and, you know, nothing's a very short answer for me. (laughs) I don't want to go off on a tangent about mycotoxins and things. Coffee can be really acidic. So, uh, I, there's not right or wrong. Sometimes we need to take a little break from coffee and see how we personally do with it. Abby asked, how do you normalize an autoimmune disorder? And I'm trying to conceive. So she is dealing with thyroid antibodies and anti-sperm antibodies. So she also had some hormone levels that are out of balance, which could mean a lot of things because there's thyroid hormones, sex hormones, um, adrenal hormones. Probably they were looking at thyroid or sex hormones. And she's also changed her diet to be more whole food without as many processed foods. And she's seen some good results, but she can't conceive. So when I think about fertility nutrition, it's funny, like without immunity and fertility, you want to resolve root causes of the overall biggest primary thing. Your body doesn't really care about fertility if it's under stress from another thing. I've never seen any autoimmune condition where stress wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back. But the other things that I look at when I think about the autoimmune treatment pie is what's going on with stress and how am I repleting the nutrients caused by stress? What's going on with toxic burden? What's going on with gut health? And that may include mold and other things. Um, What's going on with, with autoimmunity, sometimes food is a little bit more of a player, but it sounds like Abby's off to a good start there. Her question is, how can I overcome this naturally with diet? Well, it may take a little bit. It may take a little bit more, in my opinion. Um, may take some special nutrients. It may take some neuroplasticity practice um, because 
if you're under stress, the thyroid won't work. With thyroid antibodies being out of range, usually there is a gut health implication for sure. That's that's in the research. Um, so sometimes there's certain bacteria in the gut and it's kind of making the antibodies, um, throwing the antibodies off. And then sometimes there are foods and things that will throw the antibodies off as well. So just to paint a picture of how I usually do this, occasionally if it's indicated, I might do specialty food testing and do some things around the diet for a couple of weeks. I do that less amount of the time than I used to. And then I'll go into a good gut test. I'll do appropriate protocols and efficacious protocols, and then I'll fill in the nutrient gaps and, and holes. Now, if I'm focusing on fertility, I want to do all those baseline things first, because what affects hormones, everything I just mentioned, gut, toxic burden, stress, but blood sugar and micronutrient deficiencies as well. So I want to do all those things because it's going to influence the hormones in a positive direction. And then with fertility, I want to support egg quality um, and sperm quality. And she said, you know, um, so the man is, is half of the half of the equation in fertility. So you want to check with them to see if there's any structural issues or infection um, as well. So it's something else to consider. So I hope that helps Abby. And then lastly, from Charlie. So I'm going to start with the second piece of her question. It's a little bit like Abby's. Um, so I've had awful periods since I was a teenager, but I was dose, diagnosed with Graves' disease, which is a type of thyroid, autoimmune thyroid disease, where your antibodies are out of range. I was diagnosed with Graves' disease. It's a little less common than Hashimoto's, which is um, kind of a hypothyroidism sluggish, and Graves' is a hyperthyroidism. So I was diagnosed with Graves' last year. My health has been slowly declining. I cut out gluten, try to limit my dairy intake, but no matter what I do, my stomach always feels bloated and rock hard, almost like I can't relax the muscles, which might be part of it, right? So there's the structural. I talked about this earlier in the earlier podcast this week. There's a structural component. There's the nutritional component of the imbalance of bacteria, et cetera. And then there's the emotional component. So usually stress is kind of the, most of this stuff does start in the brain, not like it's in your head, but it does start in the brain. So there's things that there's communication from the brain and the neural pathways. And that sends signals. I mean, one, it dumps nutrients. There's many ways that stress influences gut health, but dumps nutrients, which makes stomach acid a challenge. Then you don't digest things, break it down, and then you can feed bad gut bacteria. And in general, it just suppresses all ability, all digestive function. Um, so I'm sure there was a, like some stress onset probably right before the graves. Um, and so I do think that there's a big gut implication or imbalances in the gut. And so it sounds like, you know, when you've got a lot of bloating or gas or irregular bowel movements, it's usually things we can do nutritionally inside the gut. When I say that, checking what's going on in that gut bacteria and rebalancing that to correct it for sure. Now she mentions that my periods have gotten worse and I was recently told I have endometriosis. So this is actually partially still. So with when I, what I assume she's talking about is heavy bleeding, maybe breast tenderness, moodiness, et cetera. Like the things that people would normally sell, say if there's, if they say my periods suck. And I know this because she told, she said endometriosis and endometriosis is a very severe, um, there is a lot of estrogen dominance or estrogen excess. that's not getting like broken down and detoxed out of the body like it should be. And so it can be in circulation and estrogen is a an essential hormone, but it's a growth hormone. So it thickens the uterine lining, which makes for heavier bleeding. So my approach personally is to do all those basic things first, support what the liver is doing. I always say like, I'm pretty boring. I support the liver, I support the gut, I support the thyroids, I support the adrenals and like a lot of things get better. Um, but the, you can, I actually, I would, I think the doing those things first is 
is great because um, I think sometimes doing a specific hormone testing can be a bit of a noble obstacle. But with endo, it could be implicated to do a, a hormone test um, right away. Is it exactly what I would do? I would still start with all that basic stuff. But if you do a hormone test, um, the Dutch test, the dried urine test for comprehensive hormones, that particular test does show estrogen metabolism. And so if you can see where the estrogen is getting stuck, is it getting stuck in phase one liver, phase two liver, et cetera, you can get really key in the um, approach. So that is one option for sure with endo. Um, so Charlie also mentions that the doctor said I need to go on the pill, but IH I did, but unfortunately this made me feel severely depressed. So I came off of it after a month. That does happen. The pill just suppresses estrogen and progesterone. Um, so we're suppressed. It's kind of like a steroid <laughs> to skin, which I talked about earlier this, this, uh, in, in the previous podcast, but so it's not, it's like a bandaid, right? So, I mean, each, each their own. Uh, if it's helpful for you, but in, in Charlie's case, it wasn't, you know, she's really, she's depressed on it and the birth control messes with some nutrient deficiencies. And I'm sure Charlie already has some nutrient deficiencies as part of this overall thing. So it feels like a lot, but you start with like the basics at the beginning, you support correction of gut health, support toxic burden. So people will sometimes come in and say, I've tried everything which is not the case. <laughs> I'm like, I doubt you've tried actually everything, but it feels like it when you've switched out plastics, when you've switched out personal care products, all of that is just external structural stuff, which is important because detoxification on its own, I'm talking about a lot of topics, detoxification, gut, adrenals from stress, all the things. And so um, starting with your total tox burden from the outside, some of those plastics can be estrogenic. And so consuming, like drinking out of plastic glasses and all of those things can just contribute to your total tox burden. So those are things hopefully people are doing on their own before they get to a practitioner. Um, so Charlie, I would recommend you start those things. I, it's not going to change your life overnight. Um, you can you know, change your diet to whole food, low processed food and potentially see some changes if that's not too stressful for you. Um, swapping things out in your total tox burden, um, breath work, stopping, considering whether you're actually digesting, chewing your food, all these things. Some of this, like she says, having doctors say the pill is only, you know, option is pill or surgery left me feeling very hopeless. And I know stress doesn't help, but I can't seem to shake this feeling of hopelessness. So I just want to tell you, like, you have so many options. Just get a new doctor. It's fine. Like if that, if your doctor only knows those options, it's just time to move on. There's plenty of options. There's full podcasts about endometriosis. So you've got a lot of options, but Charlie also asked another emotional question, which was how do you manage eating a well-rounded healthy diet without feeling like you're restricting or worrying about everything you're eating? And my question to you, Charlie, is why do you feel like you have to worry about everything you're eating? Like, where does that feeling come from? Because the tricky thing about food stuff and why I don't always recommend diet changes to people unless it's their idea is people have a lot of emotional stuff wrapped up into food based on how they grew up, what their parents said, did, or how people treated them or the modeling that they had. So I want you to just consider why do you feel that way in the first place? Where does that feeling come from? And how do you want to feel when you eat? Those would be a few questions I would journal on because my advice isn't valuable to you in that context. You have to kind of pull that question from within. All right. I think that wraps up all the questions. I'm sorry to those that weren't able to join live today, but if you want to join for a live Q&A session with me, half hour session, it's October 5th. 
you can register at kristabigler.com forward slash community for the live call. And if you want to just submit a question for a podcast Q&A, you can go to kristabigler.com forward slash questions. Both of those links will be in the show notes. And I will see you next week. Actually, I just do want to tell you, uh, next week or the week after, I've got an episode coming out with Esther Bloom. And it probably is one of my, it's probably one of my favorite podcasts so far that I've recorded on midlife hormones and just the potential of hormone replacement therapy um, for those women. So make sure you look for that. And then also coming down the pipeline is insurance alternatives that actually cover functional medicine. So I've been feeling like I needed to put that out there for a long time. So look for those. And if this podcast was helpful, go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. Oops, one more thing. I forgot to tell you that Enrollment is open for one-on-one coaching for the last time in 2022. We will not be accepting more clients until February of 2023. So if you want to feel better by Christmas or you need some help with your case um, or you're just not getting anywhere on your own, you can apply for one-on-one case review or a group case review call. And that is at kristabigler.com and you just find the place to apply to become a client. Have a great week.